Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. If y'all ready for this draft, let me hear you say, yeah! This is the Rich Eisen Show with guest host, Ryan Leaf. When I was drafted, I told you I was doing this, and you're not coming along with me. And that's one of my biggest regrets to this day, that I didn't involve my home state and my hometown more in that success. Earlier on the show, Pro Football Focus Analyst, Bruce Gretkowski. Coming up, Pro Football Hall of Famer, Peyton Manning. Seven-year NFL veteran, Joey Harrington. Washington Post NBA writer, Ben Golliver. Plus, actor Kevin Connolly. And now, sitting in for Rich. It's Ryan Leaf. Welcome back, everybody, to the Rich Eisen Show. I'm Ryan Leaf, filling in for Rich. We are efforting uh, Peyton Manning as our next guest. And um, there's a, a fun story about Peyton and I uh, around the draft. Um, I can't remember if this is a draft or the Heisman, but we were doing a a, a bit at. We're doing a bit at uh, TRL, and it was me, Charles Woodson, and Peyton. And we were just kind of standing there. Nice, Carson. Yeah, Carson. And we just kind of looked at each other because we weren't really being involved too much in the thing. And we just kind of looked at each other and said, hey, you want to get out of here? And we just we walked out right in the middle of Times Square. <laughs> no one really knew who the hell we were yet. Uh, just a bunch of tall guys walking around. Yeah, I mean, it was kind of it's kind of cool. It's one of my favorite memories. Um, and and we got him now. Uh, Peyton Manning joins us, Hall of Fame quarterback, two-time Super Bowl champ. He's joining us now on the Mercedes-Benz Vans phone line. Number one overall pick in the 1998 draft. Hey, pal, thanks for joining me, man. This is pretty cool. Hey, Ryan, thanks for having me, pal. Good to be with you. Yeah, you too. Um, watching the draft 24 years later, what, what do you remember about our draft process in 98? What, going into it and what, it, what you expected? Yeah, it certainly is a lot different now, it seems like. Um, uh, um, obviously, the actual draft day itself is completely different, right? We were in New York. Um, I think there were four of us, if I recall. Yeah. I think it was me, you, Charles, and I want to say Curtis Enos was yep. was there as well, who got taken by the Bears. Uh, Andre Wadsworth uh, wasn't there, and um, uh, Randy Moss, who I think went 17, wasn't there, but... Uh, you know, I, mean, I just remember it being an exciting time. You know, obviously, kind of curious uh, about getting your you know, your first major job started. You know, and so I was kind of anxious, if I recall, just kind of uh, you know looking forward to you know kind of making it official and getting to that team and getting the playbook and getting going. But uh, it was fun being with you and, you know, and Charles. Obviously, we've been together just a few weeks before or, or a few months before at the Heisman banquet with. Uh, with, with uh, with Randy, and uh, um, it was just cool, you know, you, you know, to kind of see everybody in that room, knowing that they were all going to be playing in the NFL uh, um, um, any minute now. You know, um, I, I want to describe to everyone who's listening, you know, kind of the atmosphere around Canton last August. Um, you know, I had the honor to be there and celebrate your induction, which, which what struck me was the the amount of former teammates of yours that were there to honor you. That had to feel unbelievably special uh, in, in a very impactful and important night that they were there. That, that's the one thing that really stood out to me. And that, that says a lot about you as a teammate. What did you feel well, in that moment? Well, I appreciate that. Like I said, I appreciate you being there as well. And to me, teammates are, you know, kind of what it's all about. And it doesn't matter uh, uh, what level you played at, you know, um, I had high school teammates there I had college teammates, and you know, I had teammates from from Indianapolis and Denver. And uh, you know, once a teammate, always a teammate, regardless of which team uh, you played 
with that teammate on. And uh, it's just a special bond, you know, knowing how hard you've worked to try to accomplish a goal. And, uh, you know, maybe you've struggled together. Maybe you've reached the pinnacle together. But uh, it's definitely a special bond. And so that probably was one of the coolest things for me as well, to have all those teammates and different people that have been a part of your football journey all kind of there in one room. Everybody's all over the country now, you know, living life and doing different things, but to have them all right there in one room was certainly a special moment. Yeah, it was fun to be there. It was neat to be a part of it. You and I were going to be linked on my end forever, regardless uh, of the success that we had. And sure enough, uh, you continue to impress. And you may be one of the most um, um, individuals that I, I would resent because of your success, but I can continue to watch you just be the epitome of 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 what you want to be and and you and Ashley did something this week um to honor your your teammate Demarius Thomas at Georgia Tech uh talk to us a little bit about that the endowment that was that was formed for for your teammate yeah you know uh, uh that hall of fame banquet actually in August was the last time we saw Demarius yeah. uh he was there and you know Demarius always loved spending time uh with our kids they loved seeing him he was great to them out there at Saturday practices and we were playing for the Broncos or uh you know down by the locker room after games and it, it was great to great to see him and just still still haven't quite processed what happened uh in December and just can't believe he's gone but wanted to carry on his legacy and his memory by honoring him uh, uh but also paying it forward and uh creating a scholarship at Georgia Tech uh, for someone from the same county as Demarius to give them an opportunity to go reach their dreams. I mean, Demarius' story is incredible, what all he endured uh, as a young person and then making it to Georgia Tech and then being a first-round draft pick by the Broncos and all-pro, you know, winning the Super Bowl. So uh, you talk about overcoming adversity. And so to give someone else that same opportunity. But what's really cool, I think, Ryan, is that Georgia Tech kind of stepped up in, you know, in addition to – uh, Ashley and I forming the scholarship. Georgia Tech stepped up, and they're going to every August 8th, 8-8, which was DT's number with the Broncos. He was number eight with Georgia Tech. They're going to hand out the number eight jersey to one of their top senior leader players. That's somebody that just defines DT from a accountability standpoint, a toughness standpoint, an unselfish standpoint. And, and to me, there's a lot of responsibility that's going to come with wearing that jersey. So that will keep his legacy alive forever. We're speaking with Peyton Manning, Pro Football Hall of Famer, two-time Super Bowl champion. Um, transition from the NFL uh, is, is tough for, for every player. I mean, regardless of success, you always feel like you could have done something more. And what, What's helped you with that? Because uh, for people who are looking at it, it, it seems like a pretty seamless transition for you to a – a place where you you have purpose and there's comfort in in that. How, how, how have you gone about it? Well, yeah, um, I mean, it's certainly a challenge, I think, as you adjust. Uh, uh, you certainly miss, you know, kind of being a part of that team and being around 53 guys uh, every single day in the building, you know, lifting weights and uh, meeting together and, you know, traveling together to games. Um, so it's a new routine, but uh, you know, to me, you kind of find different teams to kind of be a part of, right? Some, you know, philanthropy teams and maybe some business teams and whatever it may be. But, uh, but I think you still apply a lot of the same lessons uh, that you learned in football about teamwork and communication and, you know, having a somewhat of maybe of a disciplined schedule, if you will, a lot of the things that you learn, right? I mean, football is all about schedules and, uh, you know, being on time and, and being accountable that way. So, um, you know, Ryan, I've really tried to kind of take it one year at a time. You know, I've always been envious of some of these football players that always knew what they wanted to do, and they have these five-year and ten-year plans. That's not me. You know, I've kind of tried to do a little bit of an evaluation each year to see kind of what I want to maybe do this year, what I don't want to do. But the main priority is, is having time to, you know, be at, my, be at our kids' you know, baseball and softball games this weekend and help out with the flag football teams in the fall or uh, tackle football, whatever it may be. And, and so that's been priority number one, but also trying to stay busy and stimulated at the same time. 
Yeah, you you introduced with ESPN this year the Manning cast, and it's been a, a been a hit. You and your brother, you you have a lot of fun with that. Um, tell us what that's been like a little bit. It's been fun to watch and and, and see you guys grow throughout the year. Yeah, no, thanks. I mean, I, I'm not sure. You know, sometimes I'm kind of on there, and I'm like, I chose to do this as my brother <laughs> is making various forehead jokes, or he likes to call it uh, five head. So. Sometimes I wonder why I volunteer to do this, but uh, but it is fun to do it with him, Ryan. You know, we don't get to see each other uh, as much as we used to. You know, living in uh, living in Denver and living in New Jersey, so that's been a great way to uh, stay close with Eli and, you know, ha- and have something to work with him on, and then to kind of do it in a different way, right? To try to uh, kind of gear toward you know maybe a younger audience of uh, you know trying to watch the game as if you were watching it on the couch or. Uh, at a bar with your friends and, you know, having guests on there that love football uh, in all different aspects of life, like Condoleezza Rice to Snoop Dogg. <laughs> yeah. the, the number one thing in common is that all those people love football, and I like being around people that love football and, and kind of hearing their stories. So uh, we're going to do it again next year, and uh, it certainly was fun to do. Well, if you want to get back at Eli a little bit, let's just holler at me. I'll call mom. She'll get the go. she'll get the Heisman Trophy photo from our year with my with my brother sitting in between Cooper and Eli and those haircuts and the outfits <laughs> Olivia and Marsha put them in. That that's that's a golden one for you. Those were special. Those were special haircuts. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna get you out of here. I appreciate you taking the time. This has been a a, a lot of fun. Um, What's your advice for Russ in Denver, right? After leaving a, a franchise so intertwined with his identity, you did the exact same thing. What advice are you giving him in this new direction he's going to be with in Denver for the Broncos? Yeah, I've, tried to just be there. You know, um, I've tried to be there as a resource for Russell if he has questions. I think Russell uh, you, you know, you know, figures out a lot of these things because of his, his preparation and his attention to detail. But I have shared with him a couple things uh, that helped me in my transition, and I've also shared that with the Broncos, you know, with Coach Hackett, who reached out to me and kind of had a bunch of questions. Hey, how can we help Russell in this transition? You know, it's a lot of little things, Ryan. It's, you know, hey, can you implement the same cadence that he had in Seattle, right? That's one less thing he has to think about. Uh, Any common plays that he really liked in Seattle, I would put those in the Broncos playbook, And, and Denver did that with me uh, uh, when I signed here as a free agent. I was, of course, coming off an injury, so that was on my mind. So that just the Broncos did a lot of things to help make the transition much easier, and I think Coach Hackett would do that with Russell. But he's all in. He's wired that way. Um, he's already established himself as a leader uh, in this locker room and you know with these young receivers. And uh, I'm expecting big things out of him starting this year. Yeah, I think a lot of people are. It will be exciting to see that kind of quarterback play in Denver once again since your retirement. Uh, I'm going to let you go here. Uh, before I do, though, I just uh, – uh, it, it's been an honor. Uh, you know, you and I met on a phone call in 1997 because our SIDs <laughs> thought it would be a good idea because we were going to be linked, and sure enough, and the rise that you had, the fall that I did, but no matter what, um, you didn't look at me any different. And uh, that is incredibly meaningful to me and my family, and that's why I still consider you a, a friend, and I've loved to see your success over the time, you and Ashley and the family and, and everybody. So I appreciate you taking the time today, Peyton. Well, well Ryan, I appreciate the friendship and uh, have great respect for you and your uh, perseverance and uh, keeping the faith. And uh, it, it's, been, uh, a, a, it's been special to have you as a friend. And like I said, it's hard to believe we had that phone call back there in the fall of uh, – of uh, 97, and uh, I, I want to say, uh, I can't remember, I think it was the ESPYs, the Heisman, the draft, uh, the rookie photo shoot, so uh, uh, um, a preseason game we played there in, in 1998 that was not very good football, probably <laughs> on, on either team. Uh, I was trying to avoid throwing interceptions in the preseason because I knew I was about to throw a lot in the regular season, but anyway, I appreciate you having me on, pal, and uh, certainly wish you all the best. All right, let's get some golf this offseason. We'll talk to you soon. Sounds good, bud. Take care. All right. Peyton Manning, everybody, Pro Football Hall of Famer, uh, two-time Super Bowl champ, five-time MVP, and number one overall pick in the 1998 NFL Draft. Uh, and a good man, guy that's been uh, incredibly um, 
an incredible human being to me, right? Him and his family. Uh, I don't know if a lot of people know this, but he reached out and wrote to me while I was in prison. Uh, you have a similar story, Chris Brockman, when you were a kid in high school. You wrote to him. Oh, man, I loved Peyton Manning. Oh. When I was growing up, I played quarterback in high school. I was extremely mediocre. And uh, I wrote Peyton one year uh, when I was maybe going to be the starter and asked him for some advice, what his favorite plays were, whatever. Obviously never expecting to hear back. And uh, I didn't exactly hear back in the way that I wanted, but uh, one day over the summertime, a big envelope from the University of Tennessee showed up at my house, and it was an autographed 8x10 from Peyton Manning. Uh, personalized to Chris, uh, Peyton Manning. It's still framed up in my mother's house uh, to this day. It was it meant a lot to me then. It means a lot to me now. Uh, obviously, a great player, great person. The the stories uh, are plentiful like that. And the ironic thing was is that the letter I got. I remember my roommate he brought it up to me, and it's what I was doing at the time because I was in such a dark place. No matter what mail or correspondence came in, I didn't care who it was from. Coach Gilbride reached out to me, former teammates. And this is from Peyton Manning. And I just tore it up. Never read it. Still haven't asked him what he said in it. I don't know. It's just, uh, wow. That's where I was at. But, but getting something like that, even though I reacted negatively to the moment of it, it, it bolstered me, right? It gave me hope. Hope that I didn't know existed that ultimately got me to the place where I'm hosting the Rich Eisen show and talking to my, my friend who had a Hall of Fame career, right? I mean, that's, that's what building each other up as human beings is about. And so that was a lot of fun. So cool to have him on the show. Uh, really good insight. Maybe he'll, uh, um, he'll return the favor and I'll do a little Manning cast maybe this year, talk a hey. little football. We'll hey. see. But when we come back, get to talk to another good friend of mine, uh, former third overall pick in the NFL draft to the Detroit Lions, Oregon Duck, Joey Harrington, when we come back here on the Rich Eisen Show. We'll be right back. Let's talk O'Reilly Auto Parts, people, or as you might know from their jingle, O-O-O O'Reilly Auto Parts. They're in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offers friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs because you know when you need your car fixed, you need somebody who knows what they're talking about and is helpful, has a smile on their face, and gets you back on the road. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you just... Find the right battery for your vehicle. Need your windshield wipers replaced, a brake light fix, or a quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. Whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice, you will find the employees at O'Reilly Auto Parts knowledgeable, helpful, and the best of all, friendly. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash Eisen. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash Eisen. Let's talk sleep number, people, because quality sleep is so essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is dissolved for your ever-evolving sleep needs. And the same thing for your partner. So you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Quiets your snores or your partner's? Sleep Number does that. My Sleep Number setting is 60. My wife's is 70. Ten numbers apart, but it truly is the world of difference. The Sleep Number sleep that you get is unbelievable. You will love it. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now you could save 50%. That's 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Welcome back, everybody, to the Rich Eisen Show. Um, pretty cool moment there. Doing an interview with Peyton Manning, and this is even uh, an even cooler moment. Uh, um, welcoming our next guest, um, number three overall pick for the Detroit Lions back in 2001 uh, and uh, president of the Harrington Family Foundation, uh, Joey Harrington. Joey, what's up, buddy? How are you doing? I'm all right. And yourself? I'm doing good, man. It's good to have you on the show. Um, uh, I, we had our, our, our boy Peyton Manning on just a little bit ago talking about the 98 draft, and, uh, and I wanted to kind of ask you 
um, what your draft experience was like. You had a tremendous career at, at the University of Oregon, a ton of success. Uh, the Heisman campaign, everybody remembers with Nike and in the middle of Times Square and then the opportunity to go and, and, and play in the NFL. Uh, what was your draft experience kind of like? Man, um, my draft experience was a bit surreal, to be honest, because it, it was never a, I don't want to say it was never a thought of mine, but it was always so far off in, in, in the distance right. and so almost unattainable, right? You, you look at the percentages and it's, you know, 1% of the 2% who, who make it to college football, 1% of them make it onto the NFL. I mean, it's so minuscule that that moment was, was, was pretty surreal. And, and the thing that made it so great for me was, you know, back then they invited a couple of us to, uh, to New York for the draft, but they said, you know, you're only allowed to bring four people, six people or whatever that number. <laughs> you know why, you know why that's the case is because my, my, my family, we brought 30 people in 98 and they were like, nah, that's yeah. not happening again. <laughs> All right, so you're the, re- you're the okay. I'm the reason. I'm the reason. Well, so anyway, they're like, you can only bring five people. I was like, man, I grew up in an Irish Catholic family. Yeah. Like, there's no way that I can only show up with five people. So I said, I'm going to stay home, and uh, I'm going to watch her on TV over at my grandparents' house. And, you know, there were we had 16 uh, first cousins, and then my dad is the oldest of eight, and then all the aunts and uncles, and then, um, you know, my college roommates. And so there were probably, I don't know, 140 of us uh. at, at my grandma and grandpa's house. And we we're just kind of sitting around, and, and it was great to be around family. You know, there's such this, this hype and, and this, you know, just the crazy media attention around the draft mm-hmm. that it was nice to kind of have this just calming, um, I don't know, just foundation. I mean, I got picked third overall, which, um, you know, then the draft started at like nine in the morning. So I was done by like nine forty-five. Yep. And, uh, and then I went and played golf. So, uh, you know, it was a pretty decent day for me. It's, it's a great day. And it's, it's, and watching that experience and seeing a lot of those experiences years later, it's something that I would have hoped I would have done and, and incorporated like my family in my hometown, uh, something like that. And we always see things different in hindsight. And one of the one of the things I wanted to talk to you about was like, I didn't see this coming. Right. I, uh, what were you aware of the expectations that would be that would come with being taken third overall? Because I, I didn't fully understand. I just assumed like I, I went to Washington State. We did something no one had ever done. People thought uh, I was going to be the next Bledsoe. I passed that, uh, and now I'm just going to do the thing in San Diego. I mean, uh, what, did you understand what the expectations were going to be being drafted third overall? I, I think you hit the. You, I think you kind of hit it on the head there, is which is I understood the expectations, but I expected perfection from myself. Right. Right. You. 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 Because. Because. That's what had happened, right? You showed up at Washington State, and you just went out and tore the conference apart. And it's like, well, yeah, of course, that's what I'm going to go do in the NFL. We completely changed the face of Oregon Oregon football and made it a brand that that people were starting to pay attention to. And and I I just said, yeah, sure, I'll I'll, I'll go do that in in Detroit. I mean, how perfect, you know, take a franchise that had been struggling a little bit, and um, you know, the and, and we'll go remake the NFL. Well, so I showed up in uh, in Detroit. I'll never forget this. Walk off the off the jetway, kind of look around that first day. You know, the day after I got drafted, and I just kind of look around, and this guy walks up to me like immediately as I just like passed the ticket counter there, and he's like, "Hey, Joey, welcome to Detroit." And I was like, "Oh, thanks, man. I appreciate it." Hey, you uh, you've got one of the two toughest jobs in the city: goalie for the Red Wings and quarterback for the Lions. And we haven't had a quarterback here since Bobby Lane in like 1958. Good luck, man. And he tapped me on the back, and he just kept walking. I was like, "All right, cool." You know, but but that attitude and that expectation um, absolutely existed from the moment um, from the moment we got drafted. But I don't know that. I don't know that I don't know. I definitely know that I didn't come into that locker room or that opportunity with the business mindset that is needed now. Right. Right. It, it is, it is truly a produce on the field or get the hell out of the way. 
right? I'm still coming from that college idea of, hey, let's build camaraderie and let's, you know, have team barbecues and we'll build this thing together from the ground up. And, you know, and then people start looking at you like, man, we got millions of dollars tied up right now, produce right now, or we're going to find somebody else to do it. And, and that had never been my reality before. And, and I think for some, you know, I think that has become more understood now, absolutely understood now. But people got to realize that this was that transition. You know, when you and I were, you know, kind of that, 90, let's call it 95 to 05, right? Kind of that transitional time before the NFL had truly become the massive, you know, billion-dollar business that it is today where you can stream everything and, yep. and get instant access. There were still conversations on if you picked a first-round quarterback, should you sit him for a year or two, or should they play right away? Like, those were still legitimate conversations. So um, I, I don't know that I was necessarily prepared for that aspect like you talked about. Would you have stood for that as the competitor that you are? I remember, I remember – uh, in that instance, like I, there was nothing stopping me from from being the starting quarterback from day one. Like that would have been a failure if I didn't get to that position. See, I, I, looking back, I I, compl- I think it would have been the opposite for me, right? What was my strengths as a quarterback were never physical, right? I wasn't the biggest, I wasn't the strongest, I sure as hell wasn't the fastest. I had a good arm, I didn't have the best arm. What I did well is I studied and I learned and I was I knew what the defense was doing before they did right. in college, right? I was able to and that those type of things were what inspired my teammates to, you know, to hop on board and say, All right, I believe in this guy. It's not because I could, you know, run a four or five or throw a ball through a brick wall. Like that that was never my style. And so I think looking back, I would have benefited from sitting for a year and being able to take it in and learn and say, oh, this is what I could do in this situation. Or this is how NFL defenses are different than college football. Um, Because what happened to me is I got thrown into the fire and I just kept getting kicked in the chin over and over. I know that feeling, but. I going back to the drawing board and saying, all right, let me try and fix it. But then when it didn't work, then I started doubting myself. And you know more than anybody. The moment you doubt yourself is the moment you are dead. You're done in that, at that, that level. Done. Yeah, done. And uh, it's, it's, it's incredibly humbling uh, when, that, when that happens in that moment. All right, we're speaking to Joey Harrington, third overall pick in the 20. 20- in the 2002 NFL draft, seven-year NFL veteran, and uh, more importantly, the president of the Harrington Family Foundation. Uh, I really want you to, to kind of tell everybody about that because I get to do a pretty cool thing with you uh, at the end of June. You are having your 10th year anniversary of the battle in Bandon. Uh, tell our audience about the, the foundation and, and the event that we're going to participate in. Yeah, so the, the foundation I started back in 2002 when I was drafted. I took my signing bonus and, um, and started the foundation. I knew that, you know, at, at some point I would want philanthropy or, or running a nonprofit to be part of my, you know, post-NFL career. And, you know, long story, as I retired and, and started to figure this thing out, I came up with the idea of, you know, when people think of the foundation, they're going to think of me and they're going to, you know, I was a quarterback and a quarterback is a position of leadership and I'm from Oregon and I left and I've come back. And, and so I came up with the idea of what I call community quarterback scholarships, community leaders. And so what we do is we look for, for graduating high school seniors from the state of Oregon and we give them four year college scholarships so long as they continue their education in the state. But our criteria has nothing to do with grades and test scores. It's financial need and community leadership. We look for those students who have invested in their community at a young age, have an idea, put it into practice. Um, and, and then we reward them with a four-year college scholarship and then a mentor, uh, a mentor from the community. We've, I've put, put together a board of mentors that um, – are truly experienced in all sorts of areas, whether it's healthcare, law, um, agriculture, um, entrepreneurship. Um, and we give these students who, who, frankly, whether it's financial access or 
geographical access, right? Rural versus urban or, or neighborhood access or, um, we, we, we help open doors. Right. Because that's the thing is like, there are thousands of kids out there who have the financial resources to get a tutor after school and, and they get a four point and mom and dad knows somebody on the board that, you know, you know, opens a door and then they get their, their scholarship back East and they end up, you know, with a internship on wall street and they're pushing a pencil for the next, you know, 20 years, making a quarter million bucks. Right. But so many of our students and so many of the people who truly are, are, are world changing, got a C in their high school English class, right? Because they didn't care about Henry David Thoreau, but they were passionate about social justice, or they were passionate about STEM, you know, tech and science, and they want to use that to better their community. So we look for those students who've truly invested, and we open doors for them with finances and with mentorship opportunities. And the, and the, the tournament that I've been doing for 10 years down at Bandon Dunes, the greatest golf resort in the United States, and yes, it did pass Pebble Beach a few years ago, is, you know, how many times did you or I get invited to a golf tournament, you know, when you were playing, you know, 173 times a year you get an invite, and you end up showing up to a course where you don't know anybody, and you're playing a scramble, and it's 97 degrees, and you don't want to be there, and, you know, it, it, it's a seven-hour round because they jam the, jam the course. I said, if I ever did a golf tournament, I'm going to make it fun, and I'm going to make it a course where they want to play, and I'm going to actually play golf. So we go down to Bandon and play a series of two-man best ball matches. I got two guys from each school in the Pac-12, and we spend a weekend competing against each other um, on TV for uh, a great cause, and in my opinion, a great cause, but it's fun, right? It's, it's a chance for Washington State to play. You're going you're gonna to play a match against either Lawyer Malloy or, or Jake Browning, and, and you guys are going to talk so much trash through that whole thing, <laughs> yeah. and, and, and we're going to see who comes out on top, right? Who's going to be better, the Huskies or the Cougars? Well, we know the answer to that one already, but I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm super looking forward to it. I really appreciate the invite this year. Uh, excited for that opportunity. Before we get you out of here, I, I got I to gotta ask you about the draft um, uh, and some of the quarterbacks. You know, this year, only one quarterback went in the, in the, yeah. in the top in the, in the first round, Kenny Pickett to, to Pittsburgh. Uh, what do you think about that? And uh, did these teams just not be impulsive uh, and, and reach too high and put a lot of expectation on a kid, but now can, can, can maybe settle for him in a, in a position that gives him a chance to, to be successful? You know, I, I think it was a, an interesting combination of two things. One, you know, there are a lot of quarterbacks, or I should say there aren't a whole lot of um, open, available quarterback positions, you know, teams that are in super dire need of somebody, right? There are a few of them in, in the NFL right now. Um, but I think that this year's quarterback class was such that these guys, these are the guys that may need a couple years to develop, right? right. Yep. These are the guys that, that may turn into those guys that once you sit and watch for a year or two, then you get put into the mix, right? Remember everybody, <laughs> people have talked a lot about Aaron Rodgers, Right. And, you know, all, all the stuff over the last couple of years with, with his contract situation. Let's not forget that Aaron Rodgers sat. Carson Three years. Sat, Three years. Right? Yeah. These guys sat behind players and watched and developed into the type of player they are. The other thing, too, that's been really interesting, and this is a whole other conversation, but the NFL game has changed such that there is such a premium on wide receivers as opposed to running backs, right? Remember when we were playing, it was if you didn't have a 1,200-yard back, a 1,500-yard back, you were, you were in trouble. You were lost, right? yeah. You, absolutely. And receivers were a dime a dozen. You could pick a guy to catch six, you know, six passes for 65 yards every, every game. Now the NFL game has changed to the point where teams are chucking the ball and they need that stud. And so it didn't surprise me that you saw, what was it, Six, six of them, receivers yeah. Yep. Taken in the top twenty picks. I mean, that, that that was crazy. I mean, that tells me how much the NFL game has changed. You combine that with the uh, the AJ Brown trade, yes, with the talk of Debo Samuel, you know, getting traded. I mean, this is becoming a wide receiver dominant league. You combine that with so many teams have their guys right now, and this this crop of NFL potential quarterbacks maybe be in the group that needs to sit for a year or two and and i wasn't surprised that you saw six wideouts go and only one quarterback 
Yep. It's uh it's it's interesting. It's always fun to to hear the insight from a guy that that did it and did it at a very high level. Joey Harrington, everybody, uh seven year NFL veteran, Oregon Duck uh superstar. Thanks for taking the time and I look forward to seeing you at the end of June, bud. Man, always a pleasure, buddy. It'll be good to catch up. Thanks for having me. All right. Joey Harrington, seven year NFL veteran, number three overall pick in the two thousand and two NFL draft. Uh, doing some great things, and I get a chance to compete against him. His partner, by the way, in the uh, battle at Bandon is none other than Justin Herbert. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah. So we're going ha- to have some battles. We're going to have some fun. Uh, USC's team, of course, Reggie Bush and Matt Barkley. Um, Why are quarterbacks so good at golf? It's the same motion. The replacing the hips. It's the same motion. We've I done see. it so many times in our life of throwing the football. It's repetitive. So whenever I see a quarterback that can't play, I'm like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> Hockey players are incredible golfers, too. I guess it's like pitchers, too. Kind of that same throw it, the it, hips it's, out. It's, and... it's the replacing the left with yeah. the right. You're, you love golf, and you notice, like, when you're turning, your turn, if you're doing it right, is you're turning, and then you're replacing that left hip mm. with your right hip as the way through. Your right hip should really be pointing at the target eventually right. where you're where you're going to absolutely and so that's why it's 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 a frustrating game for me because you can i can i will and never perfect it no matter how good i get uh and that's why i keep coming back to it and so joey's put together a really great event for a really great cause and i was really excited to get the call this year to be a part of it again if you need someone on your bag i mean i'm available we already know that this is the deal you and i've made this deal and we're putting this out there made this deal now peacock peacock has the tie right nbc sports right NBC puts on the America Century Championship in Tahoe every year. Every year, every and summer. my agents have been, you know, in conversations with it. And I know you're supposed to not try to like solicit an invite, <laughs> but but, but uh, we've been trying for years. But. And I'm telling you right now, American Century, I could win the thing. And if I do, if I do get to go, if I'm ever asked to go, that guy right over there. He's on the back. He knows yeah. my game pretty well. I know your game really well. Yeah. And so... Um, so amazing to see the bond you two have created. I'm, total bromance. Yeah. It is. Awesome. Well, it's golf. I mean, we've been trying to get you guys to play for years. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Just saying. Uh, I need to talk to Rich um, about the NFL draft, of course. But uh, I also need to talk about uh, his golf because I want to join the club that he's in. <laughs> That's what I want to do. Don't we all? Yeah. All right. When we come back, uh, our namesake, Rich Eisen, jo- Rich Eisen joins us from Las Vegas when we come back here on the Rich Eisen Show. Let's talk game time. Boy, do we love using game time tickets at the Rich Eisen Show. And every single time I've been watching the basketball playoffs on TV, I've been wondering what it would be like to be at these games. And when you choose your tickets on game time, you can see the view from your seat where the court is, where you are in relation to it. And then the all-in prices, that's my favorite feature. The all-in prices make sure that you see the lowest price guarantee and also know exactly how much everything costs costs all in before you purchase so all the guesswork is removed when you buy playoff tickets with game time download the game time app create an account and use my code rich for twenty dollars off your first purchase terms apply visit gametime.co for restrictions again create an account redeem my code r-i-c-h for twenty dollars off your first purchase download game time today last minute tickets lowest price guaranteed when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back, everybody, to the Rich Eisen Show. We've had a heck of a show, and we're not even close to being finished, right? We got our main man, Rich Eisen, coming up in just one second. Then at 11, or in the top of the third hour, Ben Golliver, Washington Post NBA writer. And then at the midway point of the final hour here of hour number three, a friend of the show, Kevin Connolly, is going to join it. But uh, let's welcome in uh, our namesake here at the Rich Eisen Show, Mr. Rich Eisen, live from Las Vegas. Hey, Rich, how we doing? How are you, sir? I'm I'm doing really well. I've had a fun show so far. I really have. It's uh, it's. Uh, How was Peyton? 
Oh, it was wonderful. It was wonderful. We got to talk a lot of things, and I appreciate you this morning. Uh, you know, you've been a mentor of mine, and I, I just wanted some some insight on on how to go about interviewing some of these great players and and stuff. And you were really helpful, so thank you for that. It's all good, man. Thanks for doing what you've been doing. <laughs> Rich is still Rich is still drunk after the Jets draft last night. <laughs> yeah. Oh my drunk. God! Come on, man. I am drunk. We can't live who, in a world where the Jets that, are competent. Who? who, who I, I, how how'd you how would you have liked if you were like let's just say you're some dude from Quincy right <laughs> you, you you save up all your your time and your efforts to hop a flight from Logan to McCarran, the home of where Serrano once famously took the discs <laughs> you land here in town you check in your hotel you're just all fired up Patriots at twenty one they're gonna pick fired up you go to that draft hall you drink all day. Like eight o'clock at night, kind of tired. Find out Bill's trading down at twenty nine. Yeah. Then they go ahead after all this time, the whole long trip from Quincy all the way to your hotel here in Las Vegas, all the way through to pick twenty nine. It's some guy from Chattanooga. You got to Google to find out who he is. It's just you know there was some dude in an Amendola jersey we shot. They saw that shot yeah, yeah, saw on him. NFL <laughs> Network last night. He's just like looking around, like okay. Once again, in Bill, we trust could have just stayed at home, just stayed at home, you know, played a little bit, play, play, played a little bit of the scratch off winners and kept coming here and putting yep. your money down on a table, you yeah. know, could have yep. saved the time. But if you're a Jets fan, you're glad you didn't oh. stay home. Whoa. Oh my God. It's like the greatest weekend ever. Like you should go and you should just bet, bet everything. Go bet ahead. everything. Go bet see, everything. go see what the odds are right now. Since oh. you're in Vegas of the jets winning the AFC next year. What is it? Oh, I wouldn't do that. No, there's safer bets. Damn by. No, <laughs> but Hey, I wouldn't do that. Hey, no, come on. It's, 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 you got to feel that way. You got Jermaine, you got Jermaine Johnson at what? You got him at, uh, at no, 26. I just say you just take twenty and put it down on your favorite jet number twelve. Yeah, you know for for Namath, you know, uh, go ahead, just do that. That's what I would do if I, you know, had the ability to do that uh, as an NFL employee. We're just staring at the the, the food menus around here. <laughs> um, so, but uh, that was um, yeah. That what was, was what was the uh, what was the biggest shock for you last night on the coverage? You know, you're on air. Breaking news happens. Is it was it the Marquise Brown? Uh, oh no, it's the AJ, AJ Brown. AJ Brown. Yeah. I mean, you know, Brockman, you posted it right away. Yeah. That um, you know the soundbite that we uh, we elicited from uh, Mike Vrabel a few weeks ago when he was on, and I asked about the rumors of trading AJ Brown, and he said not as long as he's coached the Tennessee Titans and. He's still coaching the Tennessee Titans, and A.J. Brown is on the Philadelphia Eagles. And, you know, I know a lot of people are talking about what a great draft the the Jets had, the Giants had, and, you know, uh, the Ravens had an interesting night because um, they wound up with Kyle Hamilton at 14, and then they traded back in uh, on the back part of the first round. Um, but the Eagles, you know, trading up to go get Jordan Davis, um, who, you know, next to Fletcher Cox, as long as Fletcher's still there, will be a very difficult front for Zeke to have to get through. Um, and they uh, will have Fletcher's, if you will, replacement for years to come. And then uh, use the, I guess, what was it, 16th overall pick in the draft or 18th overall pick in the draft for, for A.J. Brown and paid him. And so... Um, that's a heck of a night for the Eagles. That's for sure. Do you find, uh, and we've had this conversation here, and I, and I kind of want to get your thought process on it, all these wide receivers that we're seeing being paid, paid the, the, the bag of money, are being shipped off to uh, places where the quarterback position isn't necessarily uh, known. You just you don't quite know. I think Derek Carr, you do in, in Las Vegas. You know he's the guy, but people are always talking about it uh, in Miami and now uh, in Philadelphia with Jalen Hurts. The places that these these quarterback or these players are coming from are the likes of Kansas City and Green Bay, where you have Hall of Fame quarterbacks. Uh, what do you think about those who are deciding to pay wide receivers and those who are deciding not to, but find that that value in the draft? We've been talking about that on the show for the last couple of weeks. Um, with Debo and A.J. Brown and D.K. Metcalf um, in their walk years. And we, you know, we're wondering who is going to pay a receiver who is entering year four 
like uh, a receiver um, who has put seven, eight years of top-notch play on the field, mm-hmm. like DeAndre Hopkins, Devontae Adams. I mean, Tyree Kill hasn't been at it that long, but I think has shown um, you know next-level ability and dependability. So who's going to go ahead and pay that receiver that type of money? And clearly, we found out last night the Titans won't or are hesitant to for A.J. Brown, and the Eagles will. And, you know, you see whether the contract's worth $25 million annually or $21 million annually, depend upon whether it's an extension or not. Um, that said, we're finding out if a team will go ahead and take somebody who is still very young but still, um, again, young in terms of what they've shown um, and pay them, or will they do what the Titans did last night, which is get rid of them and then draft his exact comp <laughs> right. as a replacement? <laughs> yeah, and Daniel Jeremiah. That's what they. That's what they did. Yep. And the Jets last night, instead of acquiring Debo, it's not like it was their choice to not acquire him. I think they would absolutely have given up the tenth overall pick, as we discussed for him and others. But the Niners, as I had said all week long, I. I, I just needed to see it to believe it that they would trade Debo Samuel away, and they haven't. And now it will be one of those conversations to sit him down and say, what can we do to make this work? Because you're here. And um, I, I, instead of doing that, the Jets obviously would have been great to get Debo Samuel. Um, but they've got Garrett Wilson at 10. And the amount of money that they're going to pay Garrett Wilson over the next four years of his contract is what they would have paid Debo annually for just his right. first year yep. in a contract. So this is just an interesting way to take a look at our receivers going to be like the next, if you will, running back of the league. And um, we're beginning to see how the marketplace is, is hammered out. Well, it's exploded, and uh, it's been fun to see. Um, all right, big night two. Uh, it was such a beautiful landscape, uh, the optics of, of – of you four there with the fountains behind it, uh, the way it was described. It was so fun to watch last night and see it play out. You could really hear it in your voice, the excitement of being there and the experience of it all. What do you expect uh, uh, tonight with, with the kickoff of round two? Do we see Malik Willis well, going quicker than we, than we, than we hope? I don't know. Uh, it's a, here's, here's the way I think night two is going to um, you know, be focused on um, or what will wind up being focused on. The Ravens have eight picks coming. So you're going to see the Ravens try and um, maneuver around, and it's interesting to see what they're going to do. Um, Also, um, tonight is the night where Baker Mayfield could get traded. Oh, yeah. What will Carolina do? Are there other teams that might go through round two missing on the quarterback that they wanted? Will they go and flip a three and something in next year's draft for Baker now? How will the Browns handle his contract? If I'm the Browns, get him out. There's no reason to have him on your team for another mandatory mini camp for what? The summer for real? Because if they, if you go past this draft tonight, tonight's draft, then Baker's going to be on this team for, unless they cut him. So, uh, entering the summer, he'll be on this team. I don't think that makes sense. For the Browns. And another thing tonight to look for is will the Packers use any of their picks on a wide receiver after not last night? That's something I will uh, have my uh, eyes peeled for this evening. You know, Daniel Jeremiah made points there when Green Bay was second, uh, taking their second pick. Uh, of the first round that the value didn't fit to take somebody like Sky Moore right. or Christian Watson. Right. And, uh, I, I, you know, I, if I'm a Packers fan out there, I'm like, I, we need a wide receiver. No, I know. And J- Jordy Nelson was a second-round pick. I think, who else? Donald Driver. I mean, Devontae, well, Devontae Adams. Adams they, yeah. You can get the value. And, again, we're talking about A.J. Brown. He came at Jeff Debo. You can get that value or find that receiver tonight. Um, I, I'll be keen to see. If they do it, if they don't, well, then um, I, I would love to have a GoPro on 12 wherever he's sitting. <laughs> yeah, uh, me too. Um, uh, the uh, 
we're gonna we're gonna keep talking with rich eisen here on the on tv here but we'll be right back um with uh ben Golliver. all right um rich the um the 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 hoopla around the draft and the players and how it's changed right peyton and i were looking at our pictures from 98 24 years ago to what the spectacle is the green room uh the the show up with the mirror and the hat the hugging the the commissioner and and in the outfits and and kind of the swag how is it covering that and you've been covering them for a long time how has it changed and how cool is it to see uh it become such an extravaganza like I said, like, you know, yesterday, guys, I, I cannot believe. Like, I interviewed Roger Goodell like, yesterday around 2 o'clock of our time here. And, um, you know, I started this interview on live TV saying, I'm here with the commissioner of the NFL at an NFL draft in Las Vegas, Nevada, something I never thought I would say uh, ever, let alone into a live microphone on live television standing next to the man himself. You know, it's the truth. Um, and, and I asked him if this thing is always going to now travel. And he said, absolutely. There's no reason to not have it travel around like a road show, like a Super Bowl. Every year, showing off different parts of our football nation and a certain fan base. I mean, it's very rare. Uh, I've covered drafts. I never thought I'd hear the Chiefs get lustily booed in, in the draft hall when the Broncos are on the clock tonight. It'll be the first time we hear that. Um, so it is pretty cool to see this go from town to town and just to see the players get into it as much as they, they get into it. Um, and, um, you know, I, I, I can't get enough of it. It was amazing to get off the draft set at eight o'clock, eight fifteen, 15 time. And then just stroll around and the lights are going and Vegas and it's wild. Um, so it's a nice dry run for the Super Bowl, And, and I think fans kind of dig it. Um, Certainly coming here to this town, I'm, you, you look out a window and you see all the hotels in just one um, one city block. There's more hotel rooms here than maybe the entire city of San Diego. So a city like this would absolutely crush a Super Bowl, and that's happening in two years. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, it's, a, it's a great excuse to get away and be a part of it. Uh, we appreciate you jumping on uh, again. Yes, brother. Thanks for doing the show this week. Hey, you bet. It's, it's always a pleasure. I love uh, the opportunity to, uh, to be a part of your platform and, and you, got you have a great night um, we'll be right back here on the Rich That's Eisen fun, Show talk to you see you Monday alright bye